Okay, this is our third wind down after dark session with the cast of Sorry Honey, I Have to Take This. Thank you for tuning into this bonus episode where we will absolutely spoil the crap out of Operation Molten Carrier. If for some reason you're here, but didn't take a listen to the preceding episodes, well, you've made your choice. So in what is now After Dark Tradition, we invited the original creator of the scenario upon which Molten Carrier was based to join us. That's Alan Goodall. Alan, thank you for jumping on. Who are you? Where can our listeners find your stuff? Well, thank you for inviting me. This is this is just a wonderful treat for me. You can find my stuff on Drive Through RPG. Let's see, and my website is uh, www. Nobody does www anymore, do they? Uh, yeah. No, no. It, I think that's totally allowed. Still. It's still we are, allowed. We are still but two wants years it. away from that falling off. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's hyperbear.com. H y p e r b e a r dot com. Nice, nice. Well, again, thank you for joining so you can help shoulder some of the blame of the terrible things that befell this team. I personally really yeah, appreciate you, you taking some of, that, <laughs> some of that off of my plate. So thank you very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. I, I just enjoyed all of it. Um, it's quite a weird experience. This is the first time I've heard somebody actually go through one of my scenarios. And uh, it's it was enjoyable and a little scary. Well, good. That's that's what we're definitely shooting for here. Sometimes a lot scary if we can swing it, um, <laughs> but enjoyable is is the priority. Well, it was definitely enjoyable. It was. Uh, I'm very very impressed with the the podcast, and uh, I've gone through all the back catalog, and you've got me as a subscriber. Hey, awesome, awesome. Alan. Do you Collecting have a minds. a least favorite part? Least favorite part? <laughs> yeah, when Agent Rose uh, Rosen, uh, sorry Rosen, did not use the CIA card. I was like screaming at her, pull it out, pull it out. <laughs> I think swinging some weight around is an, an, an interesting choice for that scene. For that's, sure. that's interesting because in the background, Chris was telling me, you know, are you sure you want to do that? Because remember, there may be consequences. <laughs> yeah, the consequences are great. Agreed. So are you uh, team no pants or are you wrong? Uh, well, I'm still wearing what I was wearing at work. Are you so. wrong? <laughs> So I guess I'm team I'm team pants. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Remember when you're in a strange fucking bullshit, Alan. You're gonna get bullied on this podcast. Now. <laughs> when you walk into a random stranger's house and they've got a weird cage and they come over to intercom and say, "Take your pants off," you don't take your pants off. I yes, you do. Let me just make an observation of who ended up surviving the scenario. Oh man! Mm. Oh, rest of yeah, always team always no pants. Go the well, I think the tally's got one one tally on each. Uh, so hey, Eric, me. I was hoping you wouldn't do the math on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who, so whose pants right. are you on? So Alan, well, oh sorry, go mm, ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're on it, Eric. Oh, please. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You yeah. get one more question, Eric. So Alan, uh, how how. Uh, <laughs> How differently did things end up for our group versus like your first run of it? Your group followed fairly closely. I mean, I was watching, I was looking for the beats, and when you went to the uh, uh, the hot dog vendor and uh, just following along all the different spots, the only the only big difference is that you didn't check out the the receipt in Chinese and you didn't talk mm. to Carson Kovac. Now, when I wrote this mm-hmm. scenario, um, it was an introductory scenario for my wife. She had never played Delta Green before. She'd actually 
played D&D many years before once. So this was her first uh, introduction to it. She's she's been hooked ever since. But she played Carson Kovac. So she was right there listening into the uh, to the the hotel room when the the guy died. Well, actually the the equipment kind of shut off and then they went what happened and then it never came back on. So they went up to the uh, the guy's apartment and he was gone. But she had a bunch of information that you could have uh, you could have learned as to get a better idea of what exactly was happening. Yeah, I, I tried to nudge you a little bit closer to speaking with her because she was part of the quarantine. But, you know, who needs exposition <laughs> or any sort of direction? Not us. I, I think we sent the wrong person to talk to them is the problem. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> we sent Prentice, and Prentice is not a people person. No, he's not. He's not a people person, and, and he's perhaps a little more concerned with keeping up appearances than... Uh, probably were useful in that in that part of the scenario i think the only part that you you really missed is who actually who actually purchased the jade idol originally yeah we didn't get who that. did it was it was the oh is it i forget the character's name uh, uh, was it uh wong the uh the guy that originally uh, was meeting, and uh, the first, the first guy that uh, that died. The first guy, yeah, is, is he, uh, Francis Ng. Yeah, mm-hmm. in my the, scenario, he bought it for John Morsley, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was well. Okay, so that's where the diversion goes, and I, uh, I guess Chris should explain the the diversion. Well, keep keep in mind, you know, when I originally tackled this, it was based off of an action, an after action report that you had put on your your website for this. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of fill in the blank. And the first time I ran this was, I don't know, around the time that you first put that that report up on the internet. Since then, there's been some shakeups in, in the Delta Green world. Uh, so, some major players have, have perhaps changed or even fallen. So yeah, my, my adjustment there was Francis Ng actually did work directly for David Young and John Morsley was more of a wild card, a watcher of of this and was using Jerry Wong's girlfriend because she she does suffer from some mental issues and that's how John Morsley can wheedle his way in to puppeteering and controlling others. He used her to create the perfect situation with his other hypergeometric understanding of reality to get that jade idol away from Francis Ng. When David Young showed up to collect it at the hotel room where Carson Kovac was listening, Francis didn't have it. And this infuriated David. And that sort of kicks off all of the okay. events after that, for, in, in my version. Yeah, in my version, Francis was actually purchasing it on behalf of uh, Morsley, who was a member wow. of the Fate. Um, mm-hmm. And the fade has sort well, it's sort of been expunged from uh, from Delta Green right now. Something happened to it, and with between twenty between nine eleven and today, the fade has been essentially disbanded or destroyed. But it, it, I've heard that it might show up later in some form, or at least uh, Stephen Alziz might uh, might show up. But uh, oh, he was interesting yeah so morsley was actually part of the fate and he purchased this idol without getting permission from aziz and so so ing went over and did the purchase of the uh of the idol brought it back and he was going to do the exchange with with morsley when young found out about it because he'd also been looking for it to do this uh to do this ritual and then he went there to the the hotel and killed uh and killed ing 
So that's that's the big difference between the two scenarios. Alan, did you make up all of this lore, or are these characters kind of from a bigger Delta Green backstory history that other scenarios are based on? It's all it's all made up. The only diff the only part that I took from the uh, what's now the conspiracy book, but uh, was the original Delta Green book, was the introduction of the Fate. And so at the end, when you gave the idol to Morsley and Morsley stopped the, um, the summoning, assuming, of course, you take that at face value, <laughs> in my case, it wasn't Morsley, it was Stephen Alziz, who is in the Delta Green lore, could be a fraudster, could be a magician, could be an avatar for Nyar Lathotep. So mm-hmm. it's, he could be any of those. That's the only piece I took from the, uh, from the game. The rest of it was my invention. Do you feel like Chris sort of bastardized a beautiful creation of yours? <laughs> I, I liked what he did. Um, in particular, I had hmm. some, I just had some random person pulled off the street as the uh, as the sacrificial victim putting the FBI agent in there was uh, was inspired I really like that yeah yeah Chris is pretty yeah. good at his job <laughs> it just you know I'm always looking for ways to up those sanity checks you know a, 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 a paltry 1d8 let's bring that up to a 1d10 you know <laughs> and, and, and put in a friend in, in, in place there yeah. and to be clear that was special agent Rachel Green is that correct Glenn Glenn. Rachel oh, Glenn. special agent, Man. FBI special agent Rachel Glenn. John, son of a we bitch. We only said the name like a hundred times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was a. Com- I'm so sorry for him, Alan. Uh, she, she was a complete <laughs> uh, right. fabrication by idea. Chris. So. <laughs> oh well, then nobody's sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I think we needed a. Uh, so, someone to be snooping around, but but also I'll um I'll always try to put some characters in that might uh, need to be used in a pinch if somebody falls off a building or something <laughs> and needs a needs a new pair of shoes to to fit into. And I think I think I designed Rachel Glenn to potentially be a replacement character. Yeah, I, I love that character. That was uh, that was something. If I were to to write this up, and I have no plans to to try to publish it or anything and if i did i'd i'd grab chris and uh, and do it as a as a uh, a collaboration because i really like what you did to the scenario oh thank you yeah it's gonna work for a while until our dream decides to uh, re-update the entire world of delta green again then we'll have to probably go back to the drawing board a bit well considering how long they're, they're still waiting for stuff from scott um <laughs> that's gonna be quite a while i think I'm not sure awesome. we're ever going to see that, unfortunately. It takes a while. <laughs> Alan, were there any standout moments that you particularly loved from any of the characters? Literally, there are probably too many to to really to really mention. I mean, I loved the uh, I loved all the uh, the character interactions. Apprentice kept popping up, and he is such a. At first, I I, I didn't like him. I didn't like him a lot, mm-hmm. and by the <laughs> end of it, I was thinking, you know, he's probably got the best uh, the best connection to all of this stuff. He's taking it the uh-huh. best of everybody. So the uh, so his his coming up and and being kind of unflappable was uh, was something I really liked. But I I I had all sorts of interactions as I was listening to it that uh, that I really liked the uh, all the things that you guys were doing at various at various points. I was very I was very pleased that you you were following the the scenario pretty pretty closely like you were going from clue to clue to clue and you weren't uh, you weren't getting too uh, too lost that was that was good I'll tell you Alan we didn't have that 
impression when we were playing it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a few points where we're like, where the hell are we doing? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's got it's a couple just... of, uh, it's got a, a several moving pieces going on. Like the, the, yeah. Where I came up with the idea was I wanted to have somebody who was a, who had access to Mythos magic, which in Delta Green is uh, hypergeometry. I wanted somebody who had access to that and didn't care that they were that they were using it out in the open and that people might find it. At the same time, there's other people working behind the scenes, so that you you were trying to piece through two different groups. And I think it was only near the end that you were coming to the conclusion: wait a minute, yeah, there, there's two groups operating here yeah that, that kind of the very end yeah that kind yeah. of leads into i think one of my favorite things about this scenario was the i, I talked i remember right when we finished i, I asked chris so I, keep me honest about where this was sourced from but the idea that if we had not been there if we had done nothing this still would have this battle still would have played out and this ship still would have crashed into the pier and you know at the end of the day it's, i was thinking about it I'm like man all we did really did was cut a body out of a floor <laughs> and, and yeah. in the meantime just stumble around <laughs> in the middle of like a big fight between these two groups and and barely surviving it right and that and that's i mean that in a positive way that was a, that was a lot of fun i thought it was a, a really it was like ants in a flood you know just <laughs> <laughs> that shit's was, happening yeah. you can't do anything about it <laughs> you did one thing very critical though you picked up the the idol yes oh mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. if you hadn't been there and done that then the idol could have escaped with young's group and the bloated woman would have appeared which would have been bad yes it's a bad time oh that's you you can't imagine the sound engineering i had planned for if that scene <laughs> <laughs> the bloated woman yeah i, I, mean I now we want to hear it. <laughs> well, you made you made a future scenario. Audience, Chris will now insert the audio that he had planned for the bloated woman. So enjoy. It's just me making airplane sounds, really. <laughs> well, add it, put it in, Chris. Put it in. I was going to say that that whole uh, ending there with where we. And I listened to it earlier today too, so it's fresh. You know, the three was it Paris, Prentice, and Ryan all turn the corner. And basically catch the cultist, you know, stumbling <laughs> with the thing, you know, with the uh, with the idol. And if you listen back, all three of us pull up our guns at the same time. All three of us roll successes, and all three of us nail like top tier damage rolls, and just blow the guy away. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then we pick it up and turn around, and then a giant ship crashes into the pier. The whole thing just had this like almost it's like a molten carrier. John, the pop pipe, whatever, man. The, molten, the freaking molten carrier. Yeah, no, it was. It, was uh, it had so great, like, um, like cinematic feel to it. it was super fun, super fun to go. It through. had that that Pulp Fiction scene. Yeah, uh, uh, that was that was wonderful. And Chris upped what ran into the pier. I just had a lowly uh, tugboat running in, into it. A container ship, way better. Hell yeah! I liked that whole scene. That was super fun to do sound. For. Uh, got to look for a lot of fun ships crashing into things, which I couldn't find out in the field with my field recorder, so had to had to do some research. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed making that scene happen, and I, I've been looking forward to it the entire uh, session. <laughs> Did you just record Speed 2's scene where the cruise ship hits the docks? Yeah, yeah. over and yeah. over again, backwards and forwards. That's the way you do it. That's I pro. think what, what Eric is trying to say, Chris, is that it sounded like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I picked that up. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to clear one thing. There was something else I took, not from Delta Green, and that's the bloated woman it's, itself. That uh, that avatar of Nyarlathotep, I believe, is in Mass of Nyarlathotep. Right. 
So I, I stole that one too. So I just wanted to make sure that people knew <laughs> I where I stole. I mean, everyone has heard of the bloated woman, Alan. So I, I think that <laughs> yeah, yes, we all everyone have. would but, know that. But just everyone to refresh our <laughs> just to refresh our memories, though, if you wouldn't mind, you know, just for the listeners, not for no, not for I don't think it's necessary, John. <laughs> Well, okay, so it's, it's a woman, and she's bloated. Oh. There we are. Clear now. I'm with horror. you so far, Alan. Yeah. Keep True going. Hey, I mean, True Chris kind of led up to that with all of the bloated bodies. Toads my bloats. I forgot about that. Yeah. It was yeah. extremely thematic. And uh, again, Alan, greatly appreciated the thematic killing uh, approach. Very fun. I love it. Well, thank you. It was certainly the spookiest, I think, that we've had yet. The setup, poking around a big bloated corpse, <laughs> multiple Chris. times, trying, trying to get yeah, trying to get it in and out as quick as possible. Chris, did you have any butthole clenches during this at all? Uh, any scenes yeah. where you're like, oh shit? So I've run this several times. The part that I was most apprehensive about was when you were talking and plotting around the hot dog vendor because I thought you guys were going to hurt him. <laughs> He's just the most, one of the most innocent pawns in, in the game. And in, in prior, again, in prior runs, I've I've had folks like, they think he's the mastermind and they they really put the, you know, I have put to break out those to torture rules. Yeah, yeah and, and we have to, you know, have some pretty pretty rough scenes for this this poor fella. So yeah, I did think you, as, as he was being less and less cooperative, or at least you perceived him as such. I thought, uh, I thought violence was going to ensue. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, I, I did too. It was, uh, I was sure that there was going to be uh, a hot dog vendor just like dragged off and thrown into a into a trunk somewhere and interrogated rather roughly. I'm just worried as as Prentice's sanity continues to dwindle that his surgery skills are going to be oh, you know mis misappropriated to to other other tasks. I learned this new lives. skill called Brazilian necktie. Do you want to find <laughs> out how it works? Alan, I am confused by something that you had said earlier, a compliment of sorts, I suppose, to Prentice. Um, <laughs> and if you could elaborate on your enjoyment of that character. Look, jealousy's not a good look, Michael. <laughs> now, I, don't be, I don't know what you're talking about, Eric. <laughs> I think I wear it well. To be fair, I enjoyed all the characters. I, uh, I, I've really kind of taken a little bit of an overcorrect, as, as friends, but A little uh, bit of an overcorrect? <laughs> maybe a little, okay, maybe a little overcorrect. Um, I'm just fucking with you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as I said, the, with Prentice, my... The way I've uh, I've approached him has completely changed because let's face it, the guy's the guy's an asshole. And, He's a complete um, shit. Yeah. Yeah, and and I hated him when he first appeared. I thought, oh, this guy, no, 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 this guy's uh, this guy's going to be a liability. Iet and uh, but no, that he he's kind of growing on me. It's kudos, kudos to you, Eric. That's a uh, thanks. It's getting harder. I'm sure. To play I'm him. sure it was all on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you uh, enjoy. As uh, as his journey continues <laughs> into the next uh, operation, which we've started doing a little recording of, uh, he he uh, he gets some he gets some scars from this one, Alan. He he's not gonna forget uh, not 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 gonna forget what happened. Some good, for sure. Is yeah, for sure in play. Good, he better not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you can't escape this game uh, without shattering a bit. That's actually the best scenario, I think. If you if you value your life as a character. I loved the uh, I loved the the Air Force Colonel. 
Um, <laughs> because oh yeah, um, Porter. Yeah, having somebody uh, see, I didn't have quite the same latitude because I was doing it based on an, uh, a cell structure, but a cell structure that I wanted to make sure it was in the uh, it was in more of the cowboy times. So I wanted to make sure that they couldn't just call up people above them to uh, to get help. And so now that's what. That's what the colonel's pretty much done is saying, you know, no, no, keep going. You're you're there. Go do the the work. With me, I just chickened out on that and just had nobody there for them to contact. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought uh, so. So Porter is 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 based on a actual uh, Air Force officer that that I I know, and I've I've gotten feedback. F- from that gentleman, and, and he he agrees uh, about about the uh, the handling of this particular team, but yeah, Porter put this together or at least was activated to do so to get a competent field team out there, and that is the asset in the field. That's all that the program is affording him for this particular operation. So he's actually on his own. He's the one who has nobody to call. The team is calling him, and he's he's trying to motivate them because that's all he really has. I, I will say, as players, I absolutely hated Porter, which says a lot about how well you played him, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hated him as a, as a listener, so I, I think it was <laughs> pretty much mutual. Good, good. So what would you have liked to have seen come out of this, uh, this scenario that maybe was missed? And I guess that kind of is the same question as was asked of you before, but um, I think I, I don't think you you quite caught until like the very end just how important this idol was, and and I think the reason mm-hmm. why is because you didn't get the the Chinese receipt translated. My group, what happened was they took that and they worked overnight to to do an, an autopsy, and then the next morning they went to uh, they went. To, for dim sum for breakfast and they just asked the uh the waitress if they if she could translate it and it nice. it's basically says one jade idol and the price is one million hong kong dollars mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. the other one is basically the english re- receipt to give to customs and this is the actual receipt of how much it costs so somebody spent a lot of money to get this this idol and that kind of uh, that kind of amplified the uh, uh right the urgency the urgency yeah yeah why would did somebody spend all that money and why was it stolen unless it's just because it was worth a lot but there had to be more than that you guys did exactly what my group did with the um, the plywood hula hoop (laughs) now you you were you were lucky that you had uh you had um power tools in the uh in the place downstairs where he was they uh, were lucky yeah that that was a luck roll in fact but yeah, they, our, my group did the same thing. They just like sawed them out and pulled them out. Now, I can't remember what they did with the body, though. I don't think they discarded it. I think they gave it to the, uh, I think they gave it to the, the morgue. Oh my God, I've got to take, i got to take advantage of that. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I don't, yeah. Yeah, that's a loose end. Yeah, that's a loose end. I, all these years later and I forgot that loose end. <laughs> I think we just tossed our body the wreckage, right? Of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, yep. that that works. <laughs> and you drove away as fast as you could because that was a cataclysm a yeah. that was going to attract insane amounts of attention. Let's be nowhere near this. At least I didn't get caught on camera a third time. You don't well, know that. You don't know that. <laughs> I have a I have a question for you guys. At what mm-hmm. at what point did you realize that the drawings were uh, were interdimensional gates? About oh, pretty much immediately. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> At least as a player. Yeah. Yeah, as a player for sure. But I think 
Prentice started getting real weirded out at the sec- at the apartment. Yeah, for Royzen, it was the second across one the where street. she's like, yeah. okay, something's up. It's right across the street. They can see each other. I don't get why that second one, the apartment across the street, though. I don't really see how that ties in unless it was like, hey, guys, there's We more covered that in the debrief. Is He was just a witness. A he was a loose end yeah. witness. Yeah. He was on the same level, the exact same exact same floor, and he had a direct view. So, yeah, he just happened to see it happen, and he's like, oh, my God, what's what's just going on over there? SpaghettiOs and sees this, and then whoopsie-poopsie, now you've totes my bloatsed. Alan, did you think that Paris was going to die when he fell off the roof? I did. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a general feeling, positive or negative, disappointed or not, that he didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Feel some aggression over here. Okay, all right. Hey, John, I'm just trying to probe. <laughs> I, I thought that was played very well. The whole pain and and whatnot. You've got a see, John. You got a compliment. Oh, yeah, right. a, and also, you've got a an in for <laughs> next time that you uh, next time you take uh, a sanity hit, you might uh, you might find that addiction is one of your your disorders. Mm. Right. Maybe. Oh, I hope so, John. All right. All right. I like Let's it. get you some pillies, baby. I like it. <laughs> Loosen you up from your noble bullshit. Well, I can't say Paris will not be climbing <laughs> anything ever again. That's that is for sure. We'll see about that. As long as I'm controlling <laughs> Paris, he's never climbing anything again. So keep failing this fucking. We'll see. About just that. just for that. Actually, we're on that on that on point, something. Chris. On that point, John, do you feel like Chris railroaded the fuck out of the cast the entire time? <laughs> it's, that's why we call him the train conductor. Oh, we don't say that. Well, I mean, I mean, I didn't. We don't say that. Say that at all, Chris. No, 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 no. If you're being serious, I, I, I do not think so. No. How about you, Alan? <laughs> I didn't think. I didn't think there was any railroading going on. Um, of course, he followed my scenario, so I'm not going to admit to it, right? <laughs> yeah, nice wrong, wrong, well wrong played. person to back you up there, Michael. Well played. Now I have a question for I have a question for Royzen, okay. uh, Amber's character. How how do you feel about the guys? I get the I get the feeling like there's sometimes where you feel like you're hurting cats, and there's other times where you feel like it seems like you're getting kind of protective of them. Is that is that right? Roizen's Roizen's definitely a mama bear, and there's days where she's just like, oh my god, the kids, and then there's times <laughs> where she's like, you don't mess with my kids. So that's that's very much what I'm going for with her. How old is Roizen, Amber? Mid thirties, I want to say thirty. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have to pull up the character sheet. It's been a minute. But yeah, and in terms of the three guys, there's like she is way more protective of Ryan because she's been with him longer. She's still getting a feel for Prentice. She's not sure how she feels about him. And then with Paris, there's they've crossed paths a few times. So she trusts him a little more, but it's really convoluted. I do like the, the split between the two cells, the Ryan Royzen uh, split with Prentice and Paris. I, I do like that, that it does feel like they're two separate groups that have been forced to meld together and they aren't. One of the problems that it, that you have in a role-playing game is that people quite often they want to get together as a, as a group of friends and they'll just bond as characters, even though as they're bonded as players and their characters will bond in the same way, even though it doesn't really make much sense. And in this case, there's still tension there. And I like how it's, uh, I like how it's evolving, but it hasn't just become, oh yeah, we're all one big happy family. It's, uh, I like that there's still tension there. Yeah, I think, well, I think one thing Chris has done well is everybody's kind of got their own, it seems like characters are getting their own, like, 
personal agendas, you know, kind of a meta agenda outside of just an individual operation, which I think drives a decent amount of that that tension as well, which has been fun. Uh, that's, yeah, that's been fun. It, and to add to that, just having the home scene help reinforce after a, an operation, it reinforces your what your character's going through, helps to give you a feeling for um, your character's motivations outside of the job. And that helps to kind of inform, okay, these Delta Green Bonds, they grow, but they're not necessarily, like, you all have different, completely different lives outside of it. You got to take those factors into how they're interacting with each other. Eric, that made absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> you know, I, I stopped making sense to myself as I was No, I'm just talking. kidding. I'm just kidding. No, that was genuinely very good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Prentice is has been leaning on his bonds, if not more, oh. but just as much as, as Ryan. And they're very and thin I'm, ropes. I'm very oh, excited about yeah. the future home scenes. Rodrigo is down to one. <laughs> oof, oof. Is it I just think like he's gonna... a fucking murder suicide at the end of this whole thing? Oh my god. No, I think what's gonna happen is Prentice is gonna be kindly asked to leave the practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kindly. Kindly. <laughs> kindly. Yeah. Strongly encouraged. Gonna get bought out. Voluntold to do so. Hey, Alan, what do, what do you like most about Ryan? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Since it's not being offered, I'll ask. <laughs> uh, I really like uh, I really like his uh, his connection with Royzen, and uh, it, he's got a loyalty that uh, doesn't show it doesn't seem to show up yet with the others. I mean, I, I think a lot of that has to do with Prentice is somebody that pretty much on his own. But he's uh, a I, yeah. But I like uh, I like how Ryan is always uh, uh, he always seems like he's He's on the he's on the job. He's he's serious and he's he's completely agrees with Royzen and and trust Royzen will stick with her and and push forward. As I said, I I I liked all the characters. It's kind of it's kind of hard to pick out particular moments because well, part of it is because I I binged the first uh, the first couple of seasons. I've got a lot going through my head when I when I listen to it. Ryan's definitely a survivor. I'll give him Jeez, that. And yeah, the fact like that he else. keeps uh, surviving after facing these things pretty much before the rest of the team and at such close quarters, I can't believe that he's still breathing, but I applaud you, Ryan. Character's got a weird, weird monster fetish. I will say that. Just keeps getting real up and close. His body is a Pokemon <laughs> battle arena so, for, for <laughs> mythos entities. What's what's going on with what's going on in, in Ryan's head with regard to the uh, the things that's happening to him? I'd like to see a little bit more of that in the uh, in the home scene. Has that not been released yet, Chris? Uh, the home scene after Molten uh, Carrier has not been released yet. Oh, okay. No. Don't want to spoil Do you it for you. Listen to our show, Alan. <laughs> no, don't spoil it, <laughs> Eric. You no. will find out soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can we can spoil that these profound biological changes will have a driving influence going forward in some capacity that that's the that's the extent of the spoiler yeah good that being said what weird change would you want to see happen to Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, good question that, that, that is, is good that is a good one i i don't want to see a weird change i would like to see him have to encounter the night floors mm. oh man that could so, be interesting was that like the enemy of the day man <laughs> <laughs> night floors back rooms but like a hotel or apartment Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's what that is michael so alan michael is our our delta green rookie he doesn't know the lore he's never played any scenarios but with us and so some some of these these uh 
references uh, we get to inflict upon him shortly. Good. I, I found that worked really well with my wife. She had no idea about uh, about Delta Green. And in fact, she didn't even know it was an illegal conspiracy until probably a good year, year and a half into the campaign when somebody got uh, somebody got wounded and she said, well, we got to get him to like a, like a safe house or something. And uh, Agent Michael said, eh, yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> safe house? That's uh... awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And so she, as a player, was like, oh, I'm not even working for the government. <laughs> yes, yes, she thought she was, love, and, and she, she had no clue. And uh, uh, she she scowled at me when she found out. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what else have you been keeping from me? <laughs> <laughs> now it's just even more confusing. You, you have no idea who you're working for anymore. <laughs> Wait, working for somebody? Right. <laughs> We're not getting paid for this. You've got cowboys, you've got the group, and then you've got the renegade, not either side people. You don't know what's out there, Eric. I wouldn't even try to thrust your theories upon upon this cast. Just just, just let it be. (laughs) All right. It'll come your way soon enough. Alan, would you consider this a comedic podcast? Yeah, but not not distractingly so. The the comedy that pops up in it is is very similar to what happens with my group. That was one of the things I really uh, I really liked about it. What, what drew me into the into the podcast was you sound a fair bit like my group, uh, even with some of the in, even with some of the infighting. Who sounds most <laughs> like your wife? <laughs> what? Probably me, because of the, the lack of experience in the game. I think so. That was actually. a serious question. Uh, she's she's uh, uh, Agent Maya is a uh, uh, Carson Kovac is a mix between Prentice and Ryan. Be, she's with the IRS and, and she picked the IRS because she wanted a scary U.S. government agency that could get into a lot of stuff. And that was really it turned out really handy to have somebody like that. That and the CDC, which uh, one of my other players uh, had, they're really good for just like getting into pretty much any scenario without any uh, mm-hmm. with any, any kind of uh, problem but yeah she's she's kind of a cross between Ryan and uh, and Prentice she has her she has her moments she encountered agent uh, uh, sorry she encountered agent Andrea from Acel in my campaign. Oh shoot! Yeah. Okay. And, and she. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and when she encou- when she she encountered her, she uh, snarled under her breath, "Bitch, bitch, and cheap shoes." <laughs> I I want to give your wife candy or cookies or something because that is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, Agent Meyer would would uh, fit in with you guys easily. She she might I don't know she might shoot Prentice in the back of the head maybe maybe. I'm mm. surprised well, he hasn't you been know. shot in the back of the head yet. <laughs> there there were a few moments a where Roizen was tempted. <laughs> I had two items that I was curious about. One was a deep dive into the creamy Charizard uh, misprint Pokemon card, mm-hmm. which we yeah that, that Alan may not be able to help with that one, so we'll put that on the back burner for a that second. Fair. Uh, the blue door, I, I, I got like weirdly, mm. as me as a player, I got like weirdly obsessed with this idea of finding the blue door and I really wanted to find that thing. Maybe maybe pushing the FBI agent through it just for kicks, but uh, it I wasn't sure if that was a thing we're supposed to find or if that was in the original the original it campaign. Was, so. It was in the original campaign, but I had it tied to the fate. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with it, and I'm looking forward to finding out what uh, what Chris does with it. I'm ready for someone to find that blue door, and it will happen. <laughs> I also 
really wanted to figure out how to activate those doors drawn on the wall. Yeah, I'm sure we could maybe figure that out too. (laughs) Well, Alan, thank you again. Oh, this was great. I appreciate you putting up with my bullshit. Yes, thank you for joining us. (laughs) All of our bullshit. And thank you for running such an awesome scenario. We had a blast. Yeah, Yeah, that was super fun. Thank you. It was a great one. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm really, uh, I'm just really stoked to to be able to fanboy out on this. And uh, I thought you 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 guys tickled pink. I'm tickled pink. Um, yes. Yeah, you you did uh, you did the scenario of justice. I I enjoyed every bit of it. Oh, and my wife did hear. Uh, I was playing part of it in the car, and uh, she um, like really started beaming when she heard Carson Kovac being uh, being mentioned. And she says, "I'm famous. Awesome. I'm I'm, inter- I, I, I'm internet famous." <laughs> yes, you're in now. <laughs> well, once again, your website is www. Hyperbear.com. Did I get that right? That is correct. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. As usual, we will be releasing our, not you, (laughs) releasing our next episode (laughs) next week, kicking off a new operation called Operation Ferraliminal Resonance. Be seeing you.